when I work with people on trade shows, we spend about 90% of our time talking about what should you do before you get there. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guest, I want to mention FundNetFlip because FundNetFlip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, so if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt, and uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, so go to fundnetflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. And first off, happy Sunday. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend. And because it's Sunday, we're doing Skill Set Sunday, which is a special segment of the show where we talk about one very specific skill. By the end of our conversation, you're going to know how to apply this skill in your life. And uh, if you do the stuff we talk about, you'll eventually master this skill if you continue to practice it. So that's what we're talking about today. And in addition to that, if this is the first time you've joined the show, well, first off, shame on you. But secondly, welcome. That <laughs> We have interviewed many best ever guests from Barbara Corcoran, who's on Shark Tank and The Real Estate Investor, to Robert Kiyosaki, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Tom Wheelwright, who's Robert Kiyosaki's a CPA. And if you haven't listened to that episode, you need to. Tom Wheelwright, Joe Fairless, just do that Google search and you'll, you'll find that episode. With us today, we've got an accomplished salesperson. He's been in selling and professional selling for two and a half decades. So that's uh, quick math, 25 years plus. He's written two books that are available on Amazon on sales. One is called Mastering Your Sales Process and the other is called Managing the Sales Process. Non-real estate related, he is in Budapest, Hungary, and 
here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to be effective at an event if you've got a booth. So it's very particular, I know, but there's a lot of applications for this as real estate investors and professionals. Um, if you've got a business, then you might want to set it up at ARIA. And if you end up doing that, then you're going to want to know how to be effective. And that's what our guest, David Massover, is going to tell us. How you doing, David? Really good. Thanks, Joe. Really nice to have you on the show, and um, this is going to be an incredibly helpful episode that's very specific about how to be effective at, at these events if we've, if we've got a, a booth set up. And again, best ever listeners, this could be at a RIA, this could be at any type of trade show that you attend. This will be to promote your business, education, service, whatever it is. David's going to tell us how to be effective. So before we get into that, David, can you give very quickly a brief overview of your background so that we have more context? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Joe. And thanks again for having me on the show. So as you mentioned, I've been in professional sales and selling for uh, two and a half decades, which you got it right. It's 25 years. I've had pretty much every kind of sales job you can imagine from straight commission sales to uh, internal sales trainer, vice president of sales, VP of business development, uh, sales manager. And currently, I've, I'm doing uh, sales training, coaching, and consulting uh, in Budapest. You may notice from my voice that I'm not sounding very Hungarian. I am American, but I moved over here about a dozen years ago. And um, I really focus, as you can tell by the title of my books, on sales process, building an effective framework, and, and really being systematic and, and methodical about entering this sometimes fuzzy, hard-to-get-your-arms-around world of, of sales and selling. I want to be kind of stay on topic with skill set. However, I do have a, a quick question for you before we get into that. With your sales experience, what would you say is the hardest thing that you've had to hone over the years? Me personally? Yeah, as it relates to sales. Yeah, that's a great question. I think a lot of it comes down to, to the psychology behind selling. I think uh, I, I often describe selling as negotiating without leverage. You know, when you're Donald Trump, for example, and, and you've got a lot on your side and the other guy's got a lot on their side and you're trying to bridge the gap, that's one thing. But when you're going out with, with nothing but the hope that somebody's going to agree to your proposition, it, it can sometimes just be psychologically difficult to just get yourself up for that. And in my career, I've entered a lot of new spaces. I've done a lot of new things. And every time I do that, you have to go through that process all over again. When, when you get comfortable in a particular space, then you kind of forget about that. But in my experience, and I think in the experience of a lot of people, because people are changing jobs and changing careers really frequently, or they're becoming entrepreneurs in a, in a, in a small business, kind of on the side of their regular business, and every time you jump into something new, you kind of have to face that, gosh, do I really know enough about what I'm doing to sound convincing? And becoming comfortable with that psychology is something that I think keeps a lot of people from being successful. All right, let's dive into it. How can we be effective when we attend an event and have a booth or sponsored presence where we're there in person? In particular, when I say effective, I mean, how do we make money from that? Yep. So let, let me just start with kind of the, you know, what not to do, which is 
what, what's really common. And, and, and what you shouldn't do is get you can't spend 100% of your time just setting up your booth and getting yourself there. And I know that that's a lot more work than it looks like. I mean, it's a 10 by 10 space. You have a display. You have some graphics. But, you know, just getting there can be challenging and getting your stuff there and getting your business cards there and getting your people there if that's appropriate. And, and when we focus 100% on that, we kind of forget to be strategic. And when I work with people on trade shows – we spend about 90% of our time talking about what should you do before you get there. And that's really, that's really where you want to focus. And generally, I teach people four specific things that they want to do you know, before they, they show up at the, at the trade show or the event or wherever that is. Go ahead and, and interrupt me with any questions that, that you have, Joe, or if you, 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 know, you want me to, to articulate something more clearly. Otherwise, let me just try to go through these, these four pieces, and then we'll see if, if there's any questions that come up from that. Sounds good. So the first thing you want to do is you, you might have heard of the expression, the, the buyer persona or an avatar. Uh, before you go, the first thing you want to do is really sit down and say to yourself, who is it that I'm looking for? And that sounds very simple and very zen-like, but you know, take some time and really think about that. What's, what's the job title? Or, or what's the profile? Maybe there's even demographics like an age or a gender or a location. You really want to know who is it that you are targeting and what do you want to achieve with them? What kind of, a, what kind of an outcome do you want with them? And the reason that's important is that when you get to the, the booth, people are going to be coming by. Some are stopping. Some aren't. And you get into a conversation with somebody and it can just be great to be talking to somebody because it feels like you're doing business. But if it's not really lined up with the reason you're there or if it's not – you know, it doesn't have to be, right? I mean things happen by serendipity. But you know, if it's not driving towards something that's eventually going to turn into business, then it's probably not going to turn into business. And that's why you invested in going to the trade show. So number one is just be really clear about who you're looking for. Number two is, and this sounds terribly old school in the days of, you know, in, in the current day of an age of, of, of tablets and apps, but you know what? Sit down at your computer and, and create something in a Word document and print it because what you want to have is a follow-up form because you're going to talk to a bunch of people. I mean, at least you hope you're going to talk to a bunch of people. And by the time you get back to your, you know, to your office the next week, you're going to forget a lot of those conversations. And what happens to most people that I see and most clients that I work with is when we talk about the last trade show, usually, you know, the sales guy opens up a desk drawer and, and there's, you know, a couple hundred business cards or, or, or lead forms if they have one of those badge scanner systems that they use at the show. And, and they just never got touched because they didn't get to them right away. And then they forgot to get to them and then they got stale. And, you know, you're not going to get a good ROI from your show if you don't follow up on your leads. And the place to start following up on your leads is when you are talking to them. So you really want to be able to capture not only who they are, but what they're looking for. And, you know, maybe you agreed with them that you would contact them the next week and talk about X or Y or Z. Write that down, because as simple as that sounds, that's going to be the key 
when you make that follow-up call the next week. And, and you got to make that follow-up call. A couple of questions on that one. Yeah. On the form, if it's a form, how are you writing down the notes about when you're going to follow up? Do you have just two separate documents? One is one they fill out their info and another is one you're making notes on and cross-referencing? Sorry, wasn't clear about that. So I'm a big fan, as old school as it is, of the person in the booth having a clipboard. I mean, there's no reason that you should have the person visiting your booth writing stuff down. You know, you should engage them in a dialogue and ask them some questions. And the form shouldn't be real long. You know, what's your name? What's your company? Maybe they have a business card and you don't have to write that down. But, you know, what are they interested in? And then maybe you'll suggest something that you do that helps in in a sentence or two. Jot that down. And then when you're talking to the person, you know, you really don't want to spend half an hour with somebody because lots of people are walking by. Get that general information and say, you know, this is great. I'm really glad that we met. Why don't I call you next week from the office when we're all back from the show and we can pick up where we left off and they'll smile and they'll shake your hand. And the trick is that if you just do that, you know, If you make a little promise, like I'm going to call you next week, and then you do that, as far as credibility goes, that's huge because the vast majority of people toss those leads forms into a drawer and, you know, nothing ever gets done. But just by calling and saying, hey, yeah, we spoke at the show last week. And what the form does for you is that when you call them, I mean, I've done this so many times I can't even, I can't even remember, but you can hear it in their voice that they don't remember you right? They spoke to, you know, a hundred people at the show and a and hundred people are calling them that weren't even at the show. They just got the list. Hi, I'm calling because of the blah, blah show. But as soon as you remind them, yeah, you remember we were talking about your, I don't know, your Yabba Dabba Do project. And, and, you know, I suggested our Fred Flintstone solution. They're like, oh yeah, the whole thing changes that you called that you remembered. It's a silly little thing. But it will make all the difference in the world for you. If you forgot what you were talking to them about, can you always replace whatever you forgot with by saying it was the Yabba Dabba Doo project? You know, I haven't personally tried that, but Joe, go for it. (laughs) When they do sign up or when you have someone at the booth filling out their information for them, do you have an incentive for them to give you that information? like a a sweepstakes or a contest or something? You know, it's a great question. And a lot of people do that kind of stuff. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but you want to be strategic about it. So the problem, let's say you want to give away an iPad. You are going to get people in your contest who are qualified as wanting an iPad. And if your goal is to build a really big list that's really broad in scope, that might be okay. Or if you can cherry pick through the business cards and see a specific type of business as represented by whatever's on the business card and only follow up with them for business and just hold a drawing for everybody else, that's okay. But if all you do is get business cards of people who want an iPad, that may not directly correlate to your business. So for example, if you have you know, maybe something that's applicable to your, uh, to your audience, if you do, I don't know, gardening services, you know, offer to do a gardening consultation as your sweepstakes giveaway. And, and then the only people who are going to, to enter are people who are interested in that. So it's kind of a pre-qualified sweepstakes. So you really want to think about what 
you want to get as a result of the sweepstakes. Now, the other part of your question is, why should someone bother filling out the form? Should I have to give them some kind of a incentive to do so? And again, that's a judgment call. But I think it's really easy to come back from a trade show with a couple hundred leads that aren't qualified. And if someone is really interested in your services, you can engage them in a conversation about that and, and you know, maybe come back with a dozen names, but they're good names and they're names that will lead to business. So it's a decision that everybody has to make for themselves, but I think those are the kind of questions you want to be thinking about before you decide whether or not you want to do a sweepstakes or not. Makes sense. And that kind of leads us into the third point, which is what's called developing a qualifying question. And what that means is that when, when you're standing on the edge of your booth and you're tired of the fact that nobody's coming into your booth and you start wanting to pull people in from the aisles, you want to do that with a question that pre-qualifies them. I, I have kind of a, a, a funny story that I use in my, in my trainings and with my, my clients that I'll tell you about real quick. At my very first trade show, it was at the Jacob Javits Convention Center in New York, just a huge place. And, and I had this really great giveaway. And my boss was standing in the corner and I was new at the company. And, and I'm standing at the edge of the booth saying, hey, I'll trade you a business card for this really awesome giveaway. And my boss was just so proud of me. And I came back with like over a thousand business cards. And, and after I got back, I said, you know what? I don't know what to do with these cards because they just were totally not qualified for me. And that kind of leads into the sweepstakes thing that we were just talking about. But, you know, fast forward about 15 years later, and I was consulting with a company that did printing services. And I don't know if you've ever seen screen printing, but these big automated screen printers, they kind of look like a big octopus. And they actually set one of these things up in the middle of a booth, and it was automated and hydraulic, and they had 12 people at each of the stations, and they were printing these beautiful t-shirts. They did work for retail companies like Oakley, you know, these just really awesome prints, right? And all kinds of people came around to look because it was interesting. But the problem was a lot of these guys weren't potential customers. Some of them were competitors. Some of them were, were just kind of interested. So we developed a qualifying question. And we would have our booth staff walk up to people who were watching the machine and say, hey, can you imagine using some kind of a printed product like this to help promote your business? And the vast majority gave us some kind of an answer that was along the lines of not applicable, right? No, I'm just watching. No, I sell these machines. No, we're competitors. No, I'm just interested. It's a pretty shirt. And that was great because you know, there must have been 10,000 people at the show and a thousand of them were looking at the machine and you know maybe only a couple of dozen were really prospects for us. So if you can develop a quick question that pre-qualifies people and gets most of them to say no, but those who say yes are the ones you're really looking for, that's gonna be a really great filter for you and that's something else that you should prepare before the show is that qualifying question. Love it. The fourth thing that we have people do is especially at a really big show, like this Jacob Javits show, is to make a follow-up plan before you go to the show. Because what happens a lot of times if it's a really big show is, you know, it'll be maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or even if it's just one day, 
you know, you'll come back the next day and you have a day's worth of stuff to catch up on. And then the next day you had something scheduled and then, you know, something broke. And, you know, before you know it, you're the guy with the 300 business cards in your drawer. So what you really want to do before you go to the show is a write up some emails or, you know, some letters, if you like to send out letters or set up an autoresponder, if that's something that you do in your business and, and have that ready to go so that you don't have to start that when you get back because you will have stuff to catch up on and, and something might break. And then the other thing you want to do is you really want to clear a couple of days off your calendar. Now, you can't clear everything, but don't schedule a lot of meetings and whatnot directly after the show, especially if it's a big show, because you want to be uh, responsive. You want to be quick. You want to get back to people quickly remind them about the conversation that you had, which, you know, we talked about, right? You knew your avatar and you got him into the booth with a qualifying question. And then you made some notes on your follow-up form and, and maybe you even scored the leads. Like I, I, I like to do an ABC kind of a thing. A is I got to get right back to this guy. B is, yeah, this could be something. And C is, you know, that probably wasn't the best use of my time or, or just, you know, whatever works for you, right? But block off some time in your schedule because after you do those things at the show, you want to be able to come back and just get everybody on the phone or get an email out to everybody and give yourself the opportunity to take that positive first impression from the event and carry it forward into some communication that's eventually going to lead to some business, which is why you showed up at the show in the first place. One of the podcasts I listen to is Tim Ferriss's, and he talks about how to win South by Southwest. And uh, one of the things he says is not to follow up right after South by Southwest, mm -hmm. because that's when all the noise is happening and people are, you know, just getting back into their routines. And mm -hmm. maybe those of those people who haven't blocked off their calendar, like you would recommend, you know, it's just when you send them an email, they uh, it kind of just gets it gets pushed back. So what are your thoughts on that compared to what you're talking about, where you follow up with them very quickly? You know, I think they're both valid. I, I, I think it really depends on the size and the scope of the show. And it depends on kind of whether they're your A or your B or your C. I think that when you go to a show, and, and if anybody has gone and exhibited at a trade show, you probably have a feeling for this A, B, C. Uh, like if you collect business cards, there, there's usually you know, one special pocket for those six or seven or 10 business cards that were just, those were really great conversations. They were perfect prospects. It, it just felt right you don't want to not follow up with, with, with those guys quickly. If you're sending out something really generic, you know, if you, and, and we've all done that, right? You go to the booth and they're handing out cookies and you get your, your badge scanned and, and then you get this, this autoresponder, you know, thank you for visiting our booth at blah, blah, blah. You know, I mean, that's a whole different feeling. So I don't disagree with Tim, but I think there's a, you know, there's a, well, what's the word on that? There's a spectrum of mm -hmm. appropriate responses, depending on how big the show is, the intensity of the contact uh, and things of that nature. That makes sense. And I think it's also the, you know, w w he was talking about 
was uh, networking, which networking is a terrible word. I hate it. It's really about building friends uh, and playing the long game versus more of a transactional transactional nature of if you've got a got a hot lead and they need a, your widget, then um, you know you, you don't you probably don't want to play play the, the, the delay game because it's a different type. It's a different scope of relationship and you're, you're under it in different circumstances. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think there's also a distinction to be made between a B2B and a B2C kind of a engagement. A lot of the, the big names that are you know, speaking at South Southwest and, and, and writing best-selling books and selling a million copies, a lot of that kind of advice is really geared towards B2C, branding and, and you know, building a large brand and things of that nature. B2C, which, which as I understand it, is probably going to be the emphasis of the people who are exhibiting uh, at, at the kind of events that the best-ever listeners are going to be exhibiting at – those are probably more likely B2C relationships. And, and I think the feel is different. And when you're doing business with somebody, not just buying their services, but you, know, you have this business relationship, I'm buying from a provider, but it's a part of what I'm doing for the people that I'm selling my services to. And, and it's so important that the credibility chain makes sense. You know, the people who I'm buying from have to support me in my efforts to sell. And so that, that level of responsiveness and professionalism, I, I think it really stands out when, when you're asking someone to trust you to be a part of their value proposition to their customers. Anything else that we haven't talked about that we need to know as it relates to driving business at a conference or a trade show whenever we have a booth or some sort of sponsorship? Buy the carpet and wear really comfortable shoes. <laughs> Why buy the carpet? Man, standing for that long will kill you if you don't have the cushy carpet. And if you can buy a foam pad under the carpet, the exhibitor or the, uh, the exhibition center will charge you for that. Buy it. There's, there's this psychological thing that happens. I'm not a psychologist, right? But I've done this a thousand times. You step into the booth off of this hard concrete floor onto this nice cushy carpet and you just go, ah. So <laughs> buy the carpet, buy the foam stuff, have comfortable shoes and don't eat in your booth. And really quickly, David, where is the best place for the best ever listeners to reach you? Yeah, of course. So I've got a special website where I offer some of my free trainings and I'll put up, I have a trade show training that kind of starts with what we talked about and leads on from there. You go to getsalesmomentum.com backslash best ever. And I will put my trade show training on there for your listeners. All right. So it's get sales momentum, M-O-M-E-M-T-U-M dot com forward slash best ever that's it awesome well david thank you for walking us through these four steps to driving business results at a trade show and you know i always obviously think about it from a, the real estate lens and yeah it, it really is when we attend an event if we if there's a local ria and we've got a couple hundred bucks and we want to have a formal sponsorship and we might, we'll set up a booth and we can listen to the step-by-step process and it will help us be more effective. I have seen firsthand how some of these tips have 
applied in marketing. It's really not just trade show, but it's also marketing. In particular, you're developing a qualifying question. That's important regardless of where we're at when we're speaking to our our customers because it's much better to have a passionate fan base like the best ever listeners compared to a lot of people who maybe you'll get billions of people or multi many millions of people but they're not all rallying around the same cause around the same content around the same interest and that's really important to have a qualifying question not only at the trade show but then also when we're doing outreach if you're a wholesaler to have a qualifying question that is relevant that filters out multifamily investors because you know your your focus is on uh, motivated sellers and buyers who want to buy single family homes if you're wholesaling single family homes yep. so really quickly the four steps that you outlined one is have a buyer persona you call it avatar, my background in marketing and advertising, I call it uh, define your target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, whatever it is, know who you're buying, who, know who your customer is. And two, have a follow-up form. You recommend having somebody there who's taking in that information and not having your prospect fill that out their self, but rather you fill it out. And this is the key, fill out something in particular that you talk to them about. That way, when you call them up, and I love this, you call them up, you mentioned the trade show. Well, so did 15 other people who called them. But in your circumstance, you mentioned this one personal thing that they will remember, likely remember, especially if you have a conversation around Yabba Dabba Doo and the Flintstones. <laughs> right. Three is develop a qualifying question. As I talked about your example with the t-shirt people, uh, my brother had a t-shirt company, A1 Game Day. That was when phone books were relevant. So he wanted to be at the top front of the phone book. So it was A1 Game Day. And I, I, we had that in my parents' uh, garage when he was in college. So I'm very familiar with screen printing. And in this case, for that screen printer, it was, can you imagine using a product like this to promote your business? A lot of them said no. The majority of them said no. But the ones who said yes, those are the ones who you're going to focus in on because you're paying money to be here to make money and add value to others. And number four is make a follow-up plan before you go to the show. So start with the end in mind and know what your plan of action is. And it might even help influence the type of conversations that you have with the individuals there, knowing how you're going to follow up with them later. Maybe there are some specific questions that you're going to ask them as a result of that. So thank you so much for being on the show and talking us through this special episode of Skillset Sunday and the Best Ever Show. And I hope you have a best ever weekend and talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Joe. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health, and they make the whole process really easy, and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you, and on average, they can save you 400 bucks a year, and it only takes 10 minutes. 
Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever.